Good evening, travel fans. Hey baby, you wanted a pizza, you wanted a pasta, come down to Italia, we live in Venice, baby. My blood must have honestly been like Manuka honey. Stop it. The Trojan horse is probably more like the Venetian pig. Oh, bloody Napoleon. Utter chaos. I was Matt's jam. Was the smell as bad as everyone says it is? Very nice. That's not the way you should throw pizza. you got to go frisbee technique. You are such a moron sometimes, Mark. Hello and welcome to What's in Matt's Head with me, Matt Head. Honestly, who knows what this is? Will, Charlie and I are just recording a Zoom meeting, chatting absolute garbage and trying to pass it off as a podcast. It's mostly about travel, but it frequently branches off into the bazaar. I'm amazed that we do manage to pack some cultural intrigue and some facts into it, but it also amazes me how quickly we can go from some highbrow history into tales of nudity and badness. Hopefully this episode will be no different as we venture to Venice to explore the floating city. This, however, is not your normal soiree around La Serenissima. This is how three outstanding, abnormal adolescents covered the canals and beheld the bridges of one of the world's most iconic cities. Rather than drink lattes by the lagoon and admire the art, we caused camps like carnage and shockingly had a naughty night out. As usual though, it began with utter pandemonium on the roads, as once again, Will fucked up. Do you know what, honestly, this is, this is the only time that I'll actually say this was not my fault, but this was by a mile our biggest catastrophe that we had on the roads. Without a shadow of a doubt, all of my navigational errors, everything just pale into comparison against what happened on that motorway. <laughs> it was horrendous. Kind of by this stage, Matt and I, you know, we'd been travelling for like thousands odd miles and we got into quite a regimented pattern when we were packing up from each location. We'd always have the same type of system. Everything would go in the same place. And we managed to pack up like fairly quickly within about 10 minutes, really. We were all ready to go with the engine going. However, on this occasion, just like every single previous occasion, we hadn't checked the roof, which is where the kayak was. And the kayak was always strapped to the roof bar on top of the camper van. And we hadn't checked that it was fully attached and it was on properly. And so away we go, trundling on our merry way on the motorway, listening to a few good tunes and some terrible ones as well, singing and dancing as we could in the seats. And then there's kind of like a big bang almost from the uh, top of the roof. And we just see one of the paddles slide down the side of Matt's driving window and just smack down onto the road. And then we see a second go as well. <laughs> and we just look in the mirror and it's kind of like, you know, those typical car crash scenes that you see on TV, like the animated ones where cars just go flailing everywhere. There's a huge fireball going off in the corner, police helicopter drops down and smashes. It's kind of like that type of scene and the car behind us. I don't know how it didn't crash. I don't know how it didn't hit into the paddles, but somehow managed to swerve probably two lanes and come back in. The reactions of an absolute ninja. And there was just a massive bus behind it and like tons of other vehicles as well. And they just start going over the paddles, breaking it and everything. That's probably an accident that only an Italian driver could survive. It's just pure erratic driving. It fits right up the street. It's, it's what they it's do not, normally. It's just, it's nothing, there's nothing abnormal about that for them. They expect it. They've just got F1 in their DNA. But it was just, <laughs> honest, honestly, it was baffling. And we were just looking in the mirror and kind of like looking at each other, looking away from each other, looking in the mirror again. And just be like, oh, this isn't too good here. We, we, we're in a bit of a booby. 
Yeah, we did. We copped a lot of abuse for the next, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Every car that overtook us, they must have known it was us, but we were getting dogs abuse from everyone who passed us by through the windows, all the hand gestures, all the horns. It was awful. It was kind of like, it reminded me of in Top Gear when we did that USA special and they'd written all of the like slander and stuff on the side of their vehicles. <laughs> I was just slowly sliding down the seat, just trying to get into the footwell as all these cars were driving past us, beeping at us. There was nothing that we could really do in that situation. I mean, we were in the middle lane and the two ba- massive paddles had fallen in the middle, middle lane. So we couldn't exactly stop, come back on the motorway, walk into the middle of the motorway and pick them up. And luckily a bus had gone over them and kind of splintered and done the main bit of damage. I was slightly worried that someone was going to call us out in the service station. I think I still felt like a marked man. I was very sheepish driving up the motorway, kind of covering my face still. But it was chaos. I've ne- it was so bad. Just hearing the bang, seeing the paddles go flying and that car behind us, like you said, I don't know how it managed to get out of the way, but I thought we were going to jail. The whole drive up, though, I was so worried. We we're going to just get to our campsite in Venice. And we're going to look at the news. There's going to be a picture of our mugs in the van. And we'll just be straight in, straight in the Italian prison. It was so bad. First bit, of proper, first bit of proper aggro between myself and Matt. You know, first we had the GoPro, managed to work ourselves through that situation. But the paddles oof, absolutely caused a massive rift between us for about 20 minutes. No, at the time I thought we were we would be heading to jail. So I was the whole way up seven hours it took us to drive from Rome to Venice, and the whole way up I was planning my defence and how I could frame Barn for a massive pile up on the Italian motorway. You were quite literally up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we absolutely were. Eventually, we got to Venice and we weren't arrested. Um, we checked into a nice campsite. Then we managed to crack on with that famous floating city. It seems to be that whenever Matt says about a nice campsite, the only requirement it takes for it to be classified as a nice campsite is that it's got showers and it's got working showers. And that is what that campsite was. But as we'll discuss later on, that campsite was one of the worst experiences of my life. And that is no understatement as well. Absolutely hated it by the end. One of the main reasons we had to book into it, though, was that we had our dear friend Harvey Collins with us. So we couldn't all sleep in the van, so we had to check in somewhere where we could set up our, the remains of our gazebo and our airbeds and our, our towels so we could sleep all three of us. But luckily, it was very close to Venice and it was just a short ferry trip away from the main city. Uh, what did you make of Venice? What, what do you remember? I really quite liked it. I feel as though during the summertime, it gets quite a lot of stick for the fact that it's quite smelly. Uh, I know that throughout the canal, canals and stuff, don't they still leak their sewage into it? And so it's got quite a reputation for during the summertime to be quite a smelly place and quite crowded as well. But I feel as though, you know, I thought it was it was re- another really nice place, another place steeped with history. And of course, it has a massive square as well, which is nice to walk around. Yeah, I thought I thought it was quite a nice place. I don't really know what I was expecting it to be like. I kind of think I just expected it to be like a more flooded Rome, uh, just on a lot smaller scale. <laughs> and it kind of kind of is pretty much exactly that i mean it's got it's got stereotypical buildings it's got a lot of water and it's got some canals and bridges you know you read all of these things about venice is full like shrinking uh it's being flooded and stuff how how true are those like how how long has venice got left so it's sinking by a mill or two each year which is mainly to do with the plate tectonics so they're on the adriatic plate and that is moving into the Eurasian plate, but it's slowly going under it. So it's sinking by a mill or two each year. 
But there's also the risk of rising sea levels. I don't know if you've seen a lot of the videos recently. It floods a lot over winter. But the main problem is probably that just the population is just leaving. Everyone's getting out of there. It's down from 120,000 to 50,000 in 30 years. And potentially by 2030, there'll be no full-time residents there. Well, I think as you uh, mentioned a minute ago, I mean, we could only really spend a day there. I couldn't really imagine living there full-time. Yeah, it's pretty much a tourist city now, so I'm not sure it'd be the best place to live. Unless you're a gondolier, there's no reason why you could, couldn't just go somewhere else, I guess. Even if you are a gondolier, I feel so it'd be quite a stressful job. You've got a boat, you've got tons of people coming about you. you. You know, you'd almost want there to be a weight limit on a gondola, I'm afraid to say it. And you wouldn't be wanting to push that around with, you know, tons of large people. And so you kind of got to be really choosy and actually quite a stressful job. Anyhow, moving on. There's not many key buildings in Venice to go see. There's no kind of Colosseum or Pisa, like Leaning Tower, for the main attraction. But the one that does get all the credit is St. Mark's Cathedral in St. Mark's Square, which is obviously named after him. It's a bit of a weird story of how that came about, because back in kind of the 9th century, Venice was doing all right for itself, but it wasn't quite as admired as it would like to have been. So they just they did what any good Christian state would do, and they went and stole the body of a dead saint. Back in 828, a couple of merchants went on a mission to Alexandria, where St. Mark had been bishop. But because little Marco had once supposedly been to Venice, these merchants thought they had a good right to claim him, and so they performed a daring heist. They stole his remains from Alexandria, hid him on a boat, and then to make sure the guards and inspectors didn't find the body on board, they hid the remains amongst loads of pork and ham, so the Muslim guards from Alexandria wouldn't inspect it as they would be so repulsed by the meat. And then they managed to get him home and they just stuck him in the cathedral where he's been ever since. But he's not really theirs, if you ask me. But it's some good loot. It's a really quite interesting story, actually. My only fact from Venice was the fact that they've got no cars in Venice. No cars, no one to drive them. Not even those little Renault Twizzy one person, you know, are hardly an excuse for a car car. Not even a Twingo. There's no roads. Mobility scooters. What are we saying about mobility scooters? I think mobility Probably scooters kind of, kind of push the boundary of what a car is. I mean, if you saw a mm. mobility scooter on an A road, would you be slightly like, would you give it a double look or would you think, no, nah, it's fair game? I say fair game and I'd throw a paddle at it. I'd throw a paddle at it as well. See how they deal with that. See if they got the manoeuvrability to get away from one of them. That should be one of the tests for road legality. Is can you dodge or survive a wild or coming at you? On the M5. The awkward. Stop it. No. I, no. <laughs> no. no? It took me honestly about three seconds to get that. And it's, it's still no, a... No. That says more about you than it does about me, Will, I think. <laughs> but yeah. The other most notable thing from the cathedral is probably the horses they've got. These four big bronze horses, which are actually made out of copper, which used to be on the outside. And now they've got fake ones outside. Now they've put them on the inside. So you've got some big bronze copper horses? Yeah. They say they're bronze, but they're, they're definitely made of copper. That's all a fraud. But they also they stole them as well to put in their cathedral for their stolen saint. So back in the... This is another one where they're just sailing around stealing shit. But back in the 13th century, the Pope was having his usual preach about peace and love. But he also wanted to start a few wars and go on a few crusades. But he didn't have enough ships sail over to Jerusalem and reclaim it for Christendom. So he asked his good friends over in Venice if they could build some boats, because they were pretty good at it. They could pretty much build one a day. Yes, what you got your hand off. Is this where the gondolas came from? No. 
Interesting. Oh. I would have thought that you could have got all the gondolas in Venice out, and that would have given you a good army. There's only 400 gondolas. You're trying to retake Jerusalem with 400 gondolas, which would be very good in the open sea of the Mediterranean, would they? Probably not, mate. But anyway, yeah, the Pope just didn't have enough things. So he asked his friends, the Venetians, who they got pretty good at building boats. They were building one a day from the Arsenale, which was pretty much like the industrial centre of Venice. They were, they were wicked good at it. But the Pope couldn't afford to pay for all these boats. So Venice just asked, is instead of crusading, on the way down, they could capture a place called Zadar as their new base, but also help reinstall a prince in Byzantine Constantinople. But this second bit didn't go too well. And the Christian Crusaders ended up sacking the biggest Christian city in the world. And it all got into a bit of a kerfuffle. It all went pretty badly. And then the sneaky Venetians made off with these ancient bronze statues, which had been on the Hippodrome of Constantine for about probably know, a thousand years. So, yeah, they wouldn't put their stolen horses on their stolen saint. They're just going around stealing stuff. It's probably how they're so rich. Sounds quite the opposite of the uh, Trojan horse story. Well, yeah, the Trojan horse is probably more like the Venetian pig for how they smuggled back their saint. Hiding people in, in animals. The thing that gets me is, how was such a small place so mischievous? And uh, how, how did it have so much power as well? So basically, because of like, its geography, it's basically played such a massive part in shaping its destiny. Because it is on the islands, it's pretty much got itself a natural defence. Like it, It's basically built by all these refugees who are tired of the Lombards and stuff coming over and nicking their stuff. So they moved out to the sea and then reclaimed these islands managed to turn them pretty solidly rather than just mud. And it means they basically had a big moat around them so they couldn't get attacked. But they also had nowhere to grow food, so they had to launch into trading. And they had a really good trade partnership with the Byzantines. And just they both got pretty, pretty rich. So yeah, they were just trading loads. And they pretty much came to dominate the Med. They had loads of territory like Cyprus, most of Greece. They're just very, very wily. And they also had a very stable government. So for a thousand years, they had the same republic. And it was kind of a good balance between a monarchy and oligarchy and a democracy. And that ensured it's pretty stable as far as it goes. That's what's called La Serenissima. And it just meant that kind of guaranteed that they didn't really get beaten up too much. And there were no kings trying to steal their stuff. And it all went pretty smoothly. There wasn't too much corruption. And that mean they could kind of live long and prosper. Like it. Like it. That was like a winning formula. Someone that didn't live long and prosper. What went wrong? Yeah, what went wrong? What went wrong was Napoleon. Oh, bloody Napoleon. Yeah, Again. that's the story for most of Europe around the end of the 18th <laughs> century. But yeah, Napoleon Napoleon walked in and just was like, you're mine. And then all the Venetians were like, we don't want you to ruin our stuff, so we're just going to surrender. And then he stole their horses, but then they got them back after like 17 years. You know, with the amount of canals that Venice has, do you reckon it's like a more efficient thing to have across the canals than bridges? No. Like what? I don't know, like, like kind of like a big trampoline almost, but just both sides, and then like one which springs you straight from one side to the other side quicker. But it just kind of seems as though, you know, like we've advanced so much with technology in so many areas. However... We still seem to be stuck on bridges. Like they've been around for years, donkey years. People have had them for thousands of years, and yet we're still today. Like, yeah, fair play. It's probably the quickest way and best way to cross a bridge, cross cross like a water. But you know, what if it isn't? Like, why are we still stuck on this? What do you suggest as an alternative, like trampolines or? Charles, I'm not bungees. saying I've got the answer. I'm not saying I've got the answer right now, but. I'd like to say that I'm raising the question of, you know, why, why are we still stuck on bridges? We've, we've been around for a couple thousand years now. You know, we've had iPhones in the last 10 years. Why haven't we 
develops a bit further. Listen, if it if it if it's not broke, don't fix it. There's nothing wrong with a bridge, and some of them in Venice particularly, pretty nice. Like, there's no reason no reason to change them. I just quite like the idea of people being able to move that bit quicker. I mean, for that Grand Canal, I think there's only four bridges that actually go across the Grand Canal in Venice. And I was just wondering, right. you know, like just for a bit of trial and error, could you whack in like a trampoline? Could you whack in like a little swing rope or something and just see if you know people move a bit quicker and a bit more freely? My vote would be for a zip wire. Those things take so long to get on and off. I'm for the trampoline idea with a rope swing. No, 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 no harness. No, you take your own risk. You literally just get a bit of cloth. You flick it over Assassin's Creed style and just sling down. Yeah, we could get on board with that. One thing that we didn't enjoy so much that we alluded to earlier is the campsite. Despite its nice showers, it didn't really go too well other than hygiene. Now, it did kind of have a really nice location, though, which was looking out over the whole lagoon and looking out, you could go and see the actual main bit of Venice from the corner of the campsite. However, at that point in summer, it was just an absolute breeding ground for mosquitoes. And throughout that day, throughout the night in particular, we just got, well, myself and Harvey, because we were outside for comfort of the campground, we just got absolutely swarmed by mosquitoes. And my blood must have actually turned into mosquito if that is possible it was the worst camping setup i've ever seen coupled with the worst mosquito like infestation next to all that stagnant water by the campsite and then i I don't there's no way to describe the tent that we made it is difficult to describe but the only way that i would possibly describe it is imagine everything inside a tent outside and upside down and that's kind of a setup that we had so i say i saw a picture of this tent in the week for the first time and i did not even know there was people in there but both harv and banny were in there amongst the polyester and the hammocks and the carnage that was their tent it was just utter chaos yeah so we'll we'll put this photo on instagram and twitter and if you go and look for it it might take you a while to spot the two bodies there they're mostly mosquito bites but there are bodies in amongst the rubble that was our campsite. I'm not going to lie, though. Once you've spent eight hours battling against swarm after swarm of mosquitoes, fending for your life and trying to like save one another, by that stage, you're just, you're just you're broken. You are a broken man. And that was what I was every single morning there. I was just a broken man. You just succumbed to the onslaught of mosquitoes, Van. I feel, I feel bad, but it was genuinely a week and a half later or two weeks later when I saw him. And he looked like he had smallpox. It was horrendous. Head to toe, still covered in mosquito bites. Red raw from the itching. It was grim. I generally had acne off the body. It was just, it was horrendous how many times I'd been bitten. I think like usually like, you know, if you're bitten once or twice or maybe 10 times or maybe even 50 times, you kind of like, you know, I've got sweet blood for it. But my blood must have honestly been like manuka honey. For them. It was absolutely <laughs> delicious and they were chomping down of it i honestly saw a family of five on my right arm just having a nice dinner and just eating away and it was it was disgusting and it was horrible and i would i would probably and i know i'm moving to the segment early but that would put me off venice and that whole area for the rest of my life i was in the van and i was quite comfy i think i set banny out as bait and i i survived i survived the night kind of people are meant to put out you're meant to put out jam or something aren't you to get them to eat instead of you and for matt i was matt's jam and it's something that 
I don't take easily. It's something I wouldn't like to do again, but I feel as though it's very efficient and worked well for him. Everyone's got to be a jam at some point in their life. We, you know, we all, we all come to that hurdle. And I'm glad you took it so early on in, in your stride, Barn, and you've lived to tell the tale. If I'm honest, it kind of like for jam is for the unsung hero. Like if you're having a peanut butter and jam sandwich, the jam makes it. Or otherwise you've just got sticky peanut butter to the top of your mouth. Whereas that jam just cuts through that fine nutty flavour, really glues together the bread as well and just, just makes that peanut butter and jam the perfect combination. And I feel as though in that, I was for jam. Yeah, it was a remarkable show of friendship. But it was also his punishment for losing the kite paddles on the motorway. So I sacrificed him back to the gods for forgiveness. <laughs> so as well as being eaten to death by mosquitoes, was the smell as bad as everyone says it is? I wouldn't have said so. I didn't think it was too bad, to be honest. I also probably wouldn't have said so as well. But then again, we were three very sweaty 18-year-old kids. and uh, We were the smell. We- we were probably bringing the smell that summer. And so it'd be interesting to know, but it wasn't as bad as what I was thinking it was being. I kind of just thought it'd be like open sewage, which is weird, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought. Yeah, but I suppose you you, you three would have had quite a high tolerance for bad smells at that point. So it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I just said before, Chaz. And so you're kind of using the same joke again. I was just putting it more succinctly. It's the way I tell them, mate. <laughs> But somewhere we did sleep a bit better was the neighbouring town of Jezelo, where we went for a night out, which A, helped us sleep because we had a bit of the good liquid inside us, so it helped us kind of pass out, but also because there's no mosquitoes. But that was a very a very interesting night out. Another one that didn't go too well. Do you reckon it's Jezelo? G-Solo? Jezelo? Jezelo? I think you should do it with the accent. To the be more interesting one for me is why is Venice called Venice and why isn't it called Venice? 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 <laughs> like, so it almost should actually be called that. It's yes solo. Yes solo. Yes solo. Yes solo. It's not. It literally says yes solo, town in Italy. Different town. Oh, different sorry. Town. You can do it slower if you want. Well, that yes. one's spelled Y E H S U. That's just the phonetic spelling bomb. Oh, mate, that's, it's all types of wrong. Yes, a lot. Yes, a lot. Do you want me to just do it on this? Hang on. Ready? Yeah, so next on the trip, Matt and Banny found themselves in. Oh, fuck, I missed the button. Next on the trip, Matt and Banny found themselves in. Yes, a lot. The next night, we did sleep a lot better because we moved away from the campsite and went to the town along the coast. More. Famed for its nightlife in Venice's and the town called Yesolo. Yeah? Sound Perfect. right? Perfect. Perfect. Anyway, we slept better there because, well, we had a lot of booze inside of us, but we all managed to squeeze into the van. And after tired night out, we all collapsed into beds. But on this night out, it was another eventful one. We basically, we went to the beach. We had a few drinks there and we got a bit carried away catching up with heart because by the time we'd finished our drinks and left the beach, there wasn't many places open. So we went to a little, rather than like a kebab shop, they have little pizza shops. I guess we have pizza shops as well on the high street. Like a little burger van to sell a really nice pizza. And we sat down and we we regrouped and made a plan. And we went to ask some nice locals, you know, is anywhere open, anywhere we can go to get a drink and like carry on our night. And kind of mid-poorest advice, out the corner of my eye and past my face, I saw the most delicious slice of pizza fly across the bench and hit this poor Italian man square in the chest, which is 
obviously fuming because someone has thrown food at him whilst he's on a night out. But also, you can't go throwing pizza at an Italian man, Barn. What are you thinking? He's trying to help us out. If I'm honest, Matt, this is this is one that I can't remember. So I've got two options here. The first option to go for was the fact that said man asked for a slice of pizza and he dropped the one that I threw at him. But option B is that he gave us a bit of bad advice. And that's probably the one I'm going to go for was the fact he gave us some bad advice. And so whilst I was chumming down on that pizza, I didn't like what he was saying. And so I thought this man needs a pizza aimed at him. And it was a balance that I weighed up between the fact that the pizza slice was very delicious, but also that man needed a pizza slice being thrown at him. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to go back on this. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with option A, and I'm going to say that somehow he he was asking for a pizza slice, and so I threw a pizza slice at him. He didn't throw a pizza slice at him. You launched it with venom straight at him. Like there was, You're never going to catch it. That's not the way you should throw pizza. You've got to go frisbee technique. I just like to call it quick pizza delivery, really. I was, I was more you know, caring about the fact that Batman got his pizza hot, and I made sure he did. The thing which is mad for me about this is whenever I'm pissed, I know for a fact it's the same for you, is that there's no way I'm giving my food to anyone or throwing it at anyone because I'm scranning that food. So he must have done something that really pissed you off to make you throw that pizza. I do remember there was a bit of aggro. I can't remember quite what happened. It's a while ago and I was a bit inebriated. But there were there were a few words. Obviously, Harvey Collins is involved. And he's, for anyone who doesn't know, the, a key wind-up merchant. He's terrible for getting on the wrong side of people and then scurrying away. So it was Barn that got involved and started launching food around. And this guy was fuming. It, it took a while to calm him down. Yeah, if I'm honest, uh, I can't actually remember the altercation at all, but I can remember the fact that I was annoyed at him and it was for something that he said, but I can't remember A, what he said, B, what toppings I had on my pizza, or C, just how delicious that pizza was. As angry as you were and as tetchy as things getting, once you'd launched the pizza, you just started absolutely wetting yourself. You were safe on the other side of the bench and you were just crying with laughter. You found it the funniest thing that I think you'd ever seen. And this guy, it was just making him more irate, but I don't know why, but Harvey was kind of a like, public liaison officer and he managed to sort things out. I think the kind of thing that I found so funny about it was the, the typical cartoon animated thing of a pizza slice hitting a wall and slowly dribbling down. And that was exactly how it was. It just smacked him right in the T-shirt, front of his T-shirt and just slowly dribbled down his chest with every single bit of it coming down. You are such a moron sometimes, Bart. It was it was just so outrageous. I was I was just in shock. I saw it just like it went slow motion through there and just slapped him right in the chest, just sunk down his top. And oh, I just couldn't believe what had happened. What was the fallout from that incident? Did he kick off? If I'm honest, I, th- I think when you've been hit with a pizza slice at that much velocity, you can't you can't really come back with anything. And I, I think the pizza kind of, you know, it was it was the UN in a nutshell, it basically it came to the situation, realised how bad it was, and it just nullified the situation completely. And he thought, do you know what? Fair enough, there's nothing else I can do here. I think to begin with, the guy was understandably very angry. But then I think it just dawned on him, like, it was such a waste and such an insult. I think he was just really sad. He was, like, mourning the loss of this slice of pizza on the Italian floor, the road. It just made him too upset to fight back. He just calmed down and eventually walked away. Do you reckon that ended his night? Do you reckon that's like the equivalent of being nutmegs when you're playing football? you just got to call it a day and go home. I don't think you can move on and go out 
where the pizza stuck to you. And uh, I suppose for our weekly shout out, if you're a man from Yezolo who was struck by the, in the <laughs> chest by a slice of pizza five years ago, then uh, please do give us a shout. We'd be really happy to have you on the show. Yeah, another very strange shout out. But if he gets in touch, I'm sure we can patch things up and maybe he can buy Will a slice of, a slice of pizza. I, I think it should be that way around. Will was the one who lost his pizza. And I think he was the one starting. The, he was the aggressor. So I think that would be only fair. I do, I do seem to remember him being the aggressor. So I, and I honestly do believe that throwing a slice of pizza at someone is a natural reaction. And so I feel as though I'll probably take with inflation one or two slices of pizza. Which part would you say you preferred out of Yesolo or Venice, Matt? Oh, definitely Venice. But I think if I went back now, now I've done my research into it, I could spend a lot more time there and walk around. But yeah, another place where I don't take a van, maybe to stay a bit inland so it's cheaper and get a ferry out there every day and go see it. What I feel bad about is Harvey, out of all the amazing places we went, I'd say Venice wouldn't make like my top 10 or 15 and we didn't he could have gone to so many better places we we were a bit more successful and he ended up getting eaten by mosquitoes while sleeping outside a half past 10 having a weird night out ending like pizza wars and then being dragged around the canals of venice yeah i do feel sorry for him i feel as a couple of days earlier we were in pisa having an amazing time amazing nightlife a few nights later we were down on the sunny beaches in croatia like it's uh quite a bad location for him to have ended up with so let me get this right basically matt you invited banny on the trip to be your jam and then you've invited harvey out on the trip to be jam's jam yeah yeah it was a bit jammy of me but i think my jam needed the jam i knew i was gonna have to put up with barn for another few months and what if i sacrificed harvey for him then he wouldn't be as bad so you've just you've it's like a human sacrifice you've just groomed it to be eaten by mosquitoes so that your own mosquito trap can live a bit longer. Exactly. If it helps as well, I, I did feel like a human sacrifice at that campsite in Venice. I, I must have been taking on the whole... It's almost like with Moses when all of those insects got released. I was kind locusts. of... Locusts. Locusts got released. It kind of felt like a biblical time with me getting eaten by mosquitoes. Yeah, I'll give him that. It was a biblical plague of mosquitoes. It was brutal. I apologise. It wasn't me, though. I don't know why I'm apologising. I'm not a mosquito. It's fine, Matt. I'll accept your apology for one thing and one thing only, and that's live on your podcast. Will you finally admit to not tying down for yours? So as driver of the van and being my van, I should take full responsibility. You know, like the driver's in charge of everyone wearing the seatbelts and stuff, and I should have double-checked your terrible handiwork, but I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I'm doing it. There's enough on my plate. I've got to drive seven hours to Venice from Rome. I'm checking everything. But that little bit, I thought, you know, I thought when you put those things on the roof, you might just, you know, stick them somewhere safe. But alas. I don't even remember not. putting them on the roof, though. I don't, I don't, I don't think that, was, that fitted into my job role. I don't, I don't remember putting them on the roof at all. I don't even remember checking them for you to double check them. No, I, I just guess we'll never know, Will, unless we finally work out a time travel. We'll never find out what happened. I think this needs to be settled by a good old-fashioned rock, paper, scissors. I'm here for that. No, because that, that implies the fact that he's gone for it. He knows in his head he's a little bit guilty and there's a chance he might get out for it. But I know it's not my fault, so why would I risk it? So I think just from our reactions to that proposal, it obviously tells you who is feeling guilty. Well, that's exactly what a guilty person would say. That's a very whoever smelt it, dealt it kind of kind of tone there, Chaz. It's nice to know as well that 
after five years, we still haven't been able to let this go at all. <laughs> after all he went through, I don't think Harvey will want to go back to Venice anytime soon. But Will, would you want to go back anytime soon? This is one that probably has been wrecked me by fact that we went there when we were 18 years old and for a fact I got bitten by many, many mosquitoes. But it's it's one of those that I'm not too bothered about going back to again. I just, you know, Venice, it's one trick pony, really. It's got tons of canals. They've still got tons of bridges, which, as we've already discussed, are in the past. It's just a lot of buildings as well, and it's a lot of buildings without a lot to do. And for me, it's not on my list. What about you, Chaz? Have we... Have we put you off or do you still want to go? I feel like we haven't sold it. I feel like we're, we're more in the business of deterring in this episode. Yeah, do you know what? I've, I've, I've not been sold massively and I, I camper can't say that I'd want to go to Venice straight away. It's definitely somewhere I will go, I'm sure, one day if it doesn't subside into the ocean. Um, it's just one of those places which has a reputation and I think even though you guys have been not had like, the most unreal time, I still do want to go at some point and just witness it and you know explore the city yeah I, th- I think it's all fart and no poop there's not much substance to it but if you don't want to go there Chaz have you got anywhere closer to home which would save you the, the time and money boy do I and good evening travel fans welcome to home and away with me Chaz this week we've been looking at Venice and it's famous for its waterways and it's terrible smell in summer. And there's one place that comes straight to mind. Gloucester Docks. Not only does it have its own waterways, but it actually smells all the time. It's got at least three Italian restaurants and even dragon boats in the summer, which are way better than gondolas. And the cherry on top is that Gloucester Docks has got cracking foundations. It's not going anywhere. It's not subsiding into the sea like Venice is. So pack your trunks and get yourself down to Canale del Gloucester. Because it's way better than Venice. Yeah, I'm sure by the smells you meant the lovely smells of all the restaurants and not any Venetian smells. But I, I love the docks. Great place to go. Great restaurants. Got the cinema right in the middle of town. What more could you want? It does not smell bad. <laughs> I, I would I would say it's just as good as Venice. And to be honest, I'm amazed it doesn't get the same tourist numbers. I think maybe if we stole St. Mark from Venice, put him in Gloucester Cathedral, then we might attract all the all the tourists then hey baby you wanted a pizza you wanted a pasta come down to italia we live in venice baby and on that slightly offensive note i think that brings us to an end in the next episode we are sojourning over to slovenia where we laze and lovely yubiana love life at lake bled and meander around the magnificent mountains we also try our hand at canyoning and fall out with our skydiving instructors Tune in then for what should be another great show about the place that stakes a good claim to being my favourite. Thanks for listening to What's in Matt's Head. I've been Matt Head. Goodbye. I feel as though Slovenia could actually be really quite a cool episode, but goodbye. Yeah, I didn't go, but also goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can download all the shows we've done so far from Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please get in touch with us on Twitter using the What's In Matt's Head hashtag. If you could leave us a review wherever you've listened to this, that would be great. And if you could share it with your mates, that would be even better. Don't forget to subscribe so that you get all the latest episodes straight to your device. We will be back next week, but for now, goodbye.